0: Life son complication but
1: uh, complication but no doctor can freeze almost free no doctor can Welcome to Karate Kid Minute, a podcast where we discussed the original nineteen eighty four classic The Karate Kid. One sad minute at a time. <laughs> I'm Robin. I'm Matt. And joining us today from Marine Corps Movie Minute is Brian Lockhart. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, hey, thanks very much for having me.
1: So glad to have you. Uh, we're, uh, as our listeners know, we were, uh, Robert was chomping at the bit to talk more about the military stuff. I was like, save it. We have, we have a, <laughs> you know, a movie, uh, a, a, a military movie expert. <laughs>
0: coming uh, so, yeah, uh, you said the bar is so high now, and, uh, you know, now I could, you know, I, I can only go down from here, so... <laughs> Well, I don't know. Did, have did,
1: I wasn't sure. Have you served at all, or or is it just you, you like military
0: movies that you no. did the? Yeah, I was in the Marine Corps. That that was okay. the genesis behind um, uh, doing movies about Marines. Because cool. you know, yeah. So I, I mean, actually, to answer your question, it's both. Uh, I did serve, and I like movies about Marines. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go, doubly uh, qualified. Yeah. <laughs> If not, I fake it good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well,
1: let's get into it. Uh, today's minute is minute 91 of the Karate Kid. It begins with Miyagi really breaking and ends with head elevation. <laughs> I not Just trying. Uh, so we, to catch up, uh, we left off last week with uh, Miyagi reciting a memory from his army days for Daniel. He's holding a drink in one hand. And has just picked a paper up from a table near his cot, like a little end table. And at the end of Friday's Minute, he starts with, regret to inform you. And then we go on and then he says, wife, and then just breaks. His
0: his (laughs) voice just breaks.
1: Again, it's just so heavy this week. And uh, you're like, we
0: start right in like the the thick of it here. (laughs) Yeah, there's no buildup to it for us you know for, for this minute it's just right to him about to lay something pretty heavy on us and then like you said he, he breaks uh, because- yeah yeah for everybody
2: for everybody starting watching the movie right now what's wrong with you
0: go <laughs> <Feel> back <laughs> don't start here <laughs>
2: Well, Brian's got a lot of fans are probably like,
1: all right, I'll just download these episodes.
0: (laughs) I love Karate Kid. This is a great, fun, happy movie from my childhood. Oh, great. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk about real life real quick here. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think when I was a kid, I didn't really understand a lot of this stuff, you know? I was just like, wow, he's really drunk and sad. And, uh, you know. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um,
2: Kids don't know what internment camps are.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Or, Or childbirth. (laughs) yeah i actually had that question i'm like do you think like daniel's son and i guess i should ask this later but since you mentioned do you think he knew what mr miyagi was about to rant about like after he he heard it or once he discovers some of the things he discovers do you think this is all new to him or do you think he had some clue um in the novelization uh
1: the junior novelization daniel goes on a little bit in the internal monologue about like He'd like learned about this in in school, but never like he never it never hit him as hard. as – he didn't really understand it as much as you know when he you know hears Miyagi okay. talking about it. It,
0: um, it makes sense because like even when I when I was in high school, I mean it was like oh, it's a paragraph in in your history book and you move yeah. on, you know. So it's like you're aware of it, but you're not really you it's no real it's hard to get a concept of it unless you um have either studied it or more seen it in something a little more in depth like i mean obviously as a kid i saw this but yeah i don't think it had an effect on me till uh till maybe the few minutes forward i i knew what that meant but mm-hmm. this stuff here i you know was kind of lost on me i think as a kid yeah i mean the
1: thing is like uh... I really appreciate – there's recently some shows, uh, Watchmen and uh, Lovecraft Country, that kind of brought attention to something that was completely wiped from uh, history books, uh, the what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay. uh, about Black Wall Street and all that. Yeah. And I really think like the same could be said almost about the camps in America from 1942 to 1946. like. <laughs> uh I, I i really hope you know i i think uh robert mark camon tried his best to you know inform people about it through this movie um but i really think that they should have some sort of like you know series or uh, good documentary to really uh, get people more enlightened about it because uh, uh
2: a, yeah. a roots-esque miniseries
1: something like that or i don't know i mean if yeah. you like put it like a superhero that came from the internment camps everybody would be like what's that <laughs> yeah. figure it all out then. <laughs> something in popular culture <laughs> yeah.
0: you, you i could see uh, i could see like some sort of like netflix type show or hbo you know yeah. do a do a eight to ten episode limited series about what it was like back then um mm-hmm. i mean there's I guarantee there is tons of uh stories uh you know, just of everyday life that, that would make for good drama TV. But you know, at, at the same time you, you educate people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is a, I mean, uh, Manzanar, I, am t- just, I'm going to clue in you guys and, um, mm-hmm. and your audience. I'm going to butcher any name that comes <laughs> up except for Mr. Miyagi or Miyagi <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Daniel son. Other than that, I'm going to butcher it. Uh, but, there is a that that is a um, uh, like a museum. You, you can go. It's a, like a living history museum. You can go and tour it. You can take guided tours. There's all sorts of. Um, I, you know, I found their website. Uh, that you know, it's 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 a place you can go to learn about it. And they do have some. You know, it's, it, it's the type of thing that kids out in, in that area would probably go on a field trip.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, let me just. There's a few other things I had to cover before I was going to get into that. Uh, Sure. The first thing is, uh, you know, in Miyagi's dialogue, he then he kind of looks at the paper after he says he like kind of spits out complications and he's like swallowing it, you know, and then he looks at the paper and says, uh, uh, no doctor at camp, which, uh, (laughs) you know, that's just uh, horrible.
2: Um, There was a few things he said I couldn't really understand because he was... Well, he was choked up, and yeah, his, his voice was not—he wasn't uh, intonating clearly. But
1: uh. how about uh, you, you mean like land of free, home of brave? <laughs> is, that, is that the one? Well, yeah, like the 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 pain of like fighting for your country, and, and that same country um, has your pre- your pregnant wife locked up at home and can't take care of her. You know, <laughs> in in the place where the, that she needs to be at. You know, because. Yeah. Of, yeah.
0: Uh, like I'm I, obviously Japanese internment was the wrong thing to do. Period. Yeah. But that being said, it happened. Yeah. So it's it's the government's responsibility. Whoever locked these people up and put them in, you know, in a camp, relocation a camp, to take care of the people while they're there, because mm-hmm. they were not prisoners because of criminal activity. You, <laughs> you know, it was it was meant to, you know, I, I you know we can go back in history and try and justify it. Anyway, look, look at it. It was a violation of, you know, constitutional rights and should have never happened. But the idea was to keep these people safe and out of the way so that they don't interfere with the war effort. Okay. Mm. You know, so now it's on the government's responsibility to make sure that these people have what they need while they're there. You know, and, right. and <laughs> this demonstrates in this just kids movie, one little line they, that these people did not have what they needed while yeah. they were, you know, while they were forced to be in this camp.
1: Yeah, and then he lets out this like yowl of utter pain as he kinda of stumbles towards this futon. Um his wife, uh Yukie actually said in an interview, now Yukie uh they end up naming his, the the girl he left behind, uh in Karate Kid Part Two as Yukie. But I guess at the time of the movie, they you know, they didn't have it in the movie, but they told Pat morita that this character's this, his, wife's, his wife's name was Yuki Miyagi's wife was, so that he could uh, kind of have more substance, like have more uh, to base his emotion on, you know, um, just to think of his wife that way. And
2: that's kind of terrible. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, think of your wife dying. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think he was trying his best to. Uh, I mean, uh, if he wanted to use that as an actor, he could have
0: come up with that on his own. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. Have to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He does right. a good job. He does a real good job of conveying drunken anguish. Yeah. Um. You know, it's, you know, like you said, the, uh, and, and,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's funny because when he was, I, I watched this, you know, 10 times and, and never really kind of quite understood what he was saying. And mm-hmm. I actually read it out. What, you know, what the words were. And now every time I hear it, it's, it's plain as day now that I know mm-hmm. what he's saying. and, and yeah, he just he does a good job of playing drunk and he does a good job of playing uh in pain, especially when he chokes up right at you know, regret to inform complications yeah. cuz he's kind of like trailing off cuz he already knows the story. He's memorized right. it over and over and he's not really telling it to Danielson. He's just kind of saying it cuz he's Re-
2: he's just reliving
0: it. Yeah, yeah and going it's it. Yeah, and and it's yeah, he's you know, and also to to kind of go back to probably the last minute when he's like, Sergeant Miyagi, you know, killed many Mm -hmm. Jerry Germans, or He's, he's almost kind of like jovial. And like you said, as soon as this minute starts, it's like, turns on a dime and he's, yeah, he's crushed. And he does a good job of going from one minute to the next like that, or, you know, one emotion to the next.
1: Yeah. And as he's stumbling toward the, uh, Uh, the futon it's like he's kind of winding down like he's reciting the things that you know he remembers from the letter over and over again and uh, especially the one that hits the hardest which is just that there was no doctor at camp um and uh and kind of goes and powers down on his his futon um so we kind of uh go over to uh daniel who has been kind of holding a picture of miyagi's wife and just listening and then, he, then we see him looking at the newspapers. And like we mentioned in the last minute, these newspapers kind of appear on the table <laughs> out of nowhere. But <laughs> Oh, hey, clues. <laughs> <laughs> Blues, clues. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniel unfolds uh, another uh, newspaper, and it's a Los Angeles Tribune. And the Ar- And the headline is, Army Moves Japanese to Manzanar. And uh, below it, there's like a sub headline in it. And it is just it says instructions to all persons of Japanese ancestry. So like, I I don't know if this paper is real, but, you know, it seems to be based on uh, fact. Um,
0: The the newspaper itself, I looked it up. um, That that was there was a Los Angeles Tribune. And but also I think it was also it's no longer in print, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but I could not find the actual newspaper itself. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I was looking, I'm like, did you find it? Because I could not find it. No. Um there's a there,
1: oh sorry, go ahead. go ahead. There's a newsletter, there's a newspaper underneath it uh that there's a headline like barely seen, but I have you know, I watched the rehearsal footage on YouTube and they had all those props laid out um as they were rehearsing. And uh, the other headline is uh it says uh Bruyers, or bright Bru, Bru- Bruyers, i think it's bruyere's uh assaulted by four four second and uh, i just wanted to say we'll talk about that on wednesday but that's if if you kind of catch uh that that headline below it you definitely can see four four 440 second um that's the most important part um but yeah let me just this is this is uh, this is where i put all my information of the uh what i collected about um uh, Manzanar and internment camps in general. Um, so internment camp, uh, which is basically just like a nicer way of saying concentration camps. I mean, can we just say that? (laughs) Like, like, sure. They didn't have ovens, but people were just like innocently put in and imprisoned, you know, um, in camps and barracks and all that uh, against their will. Um, uh, and, uh, okay. So, Uh, 1942, after Pearl Harbor, uh, rumors started circulating that Pearl Harbor was helped by Japanese espionage even though there was no evidence of it. Uh, This guy, uh, General John DeWitt, the head of the Western Defense Command, testified in Congress. His quote says, I don't want any of them here. They're a dangerous element. There's no way to determine their loyalty. It makes no difference whether he's an American citizen. He is still a Japanese Uh, So, <laughs> um, then a, uh, manifesto, uh, was sent to, um, major California newspapers saying that all people of Japanese heritage were loyal to Emperor Hirohito and that the schools that are set up to teach the Japanese language were racist because it also, te- they, they said they also teach, uh, Japanese racial superiority, um. And uh, I just want to put it out there. Guess who wrote that manifesto? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's something we mentioned. Oh, um, well, mentioned uh, Robert mentioned it last week, but I uh, mentioned it also earlier in our minutes. Uh, the native, uh, the native sons and daughters of the Golden West, the group whose plaque is uh, posted on Daniel School that says oh. "Truth, Liberty, Toleration.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't um, sound very tolerant, uh, or liberty <laughs> and there's no liberty in these camps. So nope. barely any truth, uh,
1: two months after Pearl Harbor, California attorney general and future Supreme court justice, Earl Warren, uh, started to persuade the government to remove all Japanese people from the West coast, just remove them. <laughs> and, uh, then it led to, uh, FDR signing executive order nine zero six six, Uh, which allowed regional military commanders to designate military areas from which people could be excluded, which meant like if you were Japanese in these areas that they set up, you just had to leave no matter what, like you have a house, you have, you have a job,
0: get out. Yeah. Yeah. I read that most people could only could take about like a week's worth of possessions, like, you know, weeks, weeks worth of clothes. Basically you had a week to get out of there and, you know, you, you took like a suitcase that was like it, you know, they had to leave everything behind. Yeah. Uh, and
1: of course, you know, they had, they then, they're like, Oh, where are these people going to go? Oh, we'll set up camps for them. <laughs> and, uh, 127,000 Japanese Americans were relocated. About 80,000 of them were Nisai and Sensai, uh, which are second and third generation, uh, American born citizens. Uh, <laughs> um, they said even if you were one sixteenth Japanese, you qualified. And yeah. even even better, our very own U.S. Census Bureau uh, was complicit in uh, finding them. Uh, let every, they let the you know officials know where all Japanese Americans were located uh, because they they were counted. <laughs> uh, so Manzanar was the first of ten internment camps created. And Manzanar was basically just like desert. Uh, they said the temperatures would get up to 100 degrees. People just like, kind of wake up covered in dust. It was so bad uh, because the wind would blow so hard. They said it would literally toss rocks around. Uh, this friendly relocation camp was surrounded by guard towers with mounted machine guns and barbed wire fencing. Uh, the food was mainly rice and vegetables. Uh, they barely had any meat. Um They even had uh, a children's village which housed 101 orphans. Yes, they took orphans that were Japanese-Americans out of regular orphanages because the Japanese-Americans – like nobody Japanese-American needed to be (laughs) in these zones. So they literally just – here, we're taking you out of this horrible orphanage, and we're going to put you in a worse orphanage.
2: Uh. (laughs) Oh, my god. Um, and these orphans probably, you know, had no knowledge of anything Japanese. Yeah. Just, you know. yeah. It's um, in your DNA. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. like activate like a sleeper agent.
1: Right, right. <laughs> just call the emperor on the phone and be like, what do you want to do, boss? Yeah. Um one thing that I could say is disputed from what Miyagi says. Miyagi does say no doctor at camp, but there were doctors at Manzanar. Um, they said they had a hard time keeping up with the ailments of uh, people uh, th- at the beginning. They treated people in barracks where there was no water or heat. Uh, but I guess by 1944, Manzanar did have a hospital um, and all medical treatment was provided without charge, which is a small price to pay for imprisoning Americans for years.
0: Right. Yeah. It's your responsibility <laughs> to take care of the people that you're imprisoning, regardless of who, what they are. Um, <laughs> The, you know, actually though, there is a, the line that Mr. Miyagi says is no doctor, com-, he said no doctor come or no doctor came or whatever. Like, so oh. he, so I, there was a doctor, I, I, the way I look at it like this is it can sync up with real life. There may have been a doctor there. He right. just didn't make it to his wife.
1: Right. Yeah. I think in the script it says no, no doctor at camp, but I guess uh, um, if they say, if he says no doctor come, that does sync up.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, again, it was that thing where I was like, I, I didn't quite understand what he said. I saw it yeah. written out and now that's all I hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: I could go on and on and on about it, but I really, really suggest people look it up, read about it. Um, I got a quote from uh, Ralph Macchio who says, uh, Pat knew he was one of the, he was in one of the first mainstream movies that ever mentioned uh, Japanese internment camps in the U.S. He was very specific about how the newspaper looked. He approached all of it in a very detailed way. Um, John Abelson had an assistant. His name was Randall Sabasawa, who said that it was important to him as well because both his parents were interned. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's really all I have for that. Um, it's all very sad and, incredibly frustrating
0: (laughs) material to look up oh yeah i mean it's this is not fun podcasting you know (laughs) i mean it's unfortunately it's it's real life but yeah but you know and that also brings like another like kind of thought it's like back in the 80s you would they would always do some like nice fun you know like kids you know credit kids basically a kids movie you know, here's mm-hmm. this like, or a, a, a family movie, family for, movie yeah. for the whole family. Cause, cause again, I watched it just the other day with my daughter and we both loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, there would, there would always take a dark turn in these movies. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, uh, monster squad. They had yeah. scary yeah. German yeah. guy, right? And the kids <laughs> oh, are yep. scared of scary German guy. What well, scary German guy was a, you know, was a Jewish concentration camp survivor. And mm-hmm. it's like, here's this goofy movie about kids, you know, the Goonies fighting monsters. And, you know, here's this real life, you know, moment um, that they kind of throw in there. And I'm like, that, that was, I seem like it was very common back then to take like something that was real and sometimes disturbing. Yeah. And throw it into some goofy movie that you're watching as a kid. Absolutely. I don't
2: mind them taking the opportunity to educate a little.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, it, it is a good thing. It's just, yeah. it's sometimes it comes out of nowhere though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is appropriate for, um, you know, for, you know, Pat Morita for Mr. Miyagi, you know, it is, you know, he, he syncs up with what would have been the case, you know, his age mm-hmm. is appropriate for being in the service and, or being locked up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there are some, you know, movies and tv shows that kind of go a little bit overboard on that and and, because they're really trying hard to teach a lesson and they they forget about story and character and i think this is like it helps us figure out like what's going on with mr miyagi like why is he also why is he kept to himself all these years you know why is he what was he why was he kind of bristly to to begin with for before he warmed up to daniel and why was he so resistant to uh take him under his wing um, or even get involved at all is because he just lives with this pain, you know?
0: <laughs> but, but at the same time, you can kind of see how they found each other. Uh, because, you know, Daniel doesn't have a father. Miyagi doesn't have a son and yeah. they kind of, you know, they kind of have a, you know, they start out as mutual res Well, not really mutual respect. That doesn't really make sense, but it, it's definitely a mentor mentee, father, son type relationship that builds mm. over time. Yeah. Um, so suddenly, uh, Daniel
1: hears Miyagi's glass, uh, fall from his hands to the floor and he jumps up, goes over to him and Miyagi is kind of sitting on his bed, but he's kind of slumped over his knees. And I was just thinking, can you imagine just waking up like that? <laughs> like, ow!
0: <laughs> Especially at his age. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I don't know how much, uh, either of you have drank, uh, but on a lighter a subject for this for this podcast episode. My question to the both of you is, uh, have you ever gotten so drunk that you've woken up somewhere other than your bed?
2: Uh... <laughs>
1: yes.
0: <laughs> care, to, care to elaborate? Or <laughs> Let's just say that one time I, after celebrating my buddy's promotion, uh, they found the two of us out in the grass in his backyard, uh, and the MPs came by and said, get inside and be quiet. <laughs> I'll leave it at that.
2: Yeah.
1: Matt.
0: <laughs> I don't think so.
1: I don't think
2: so. The worst thing I ever did was the first time I got drunk. I like puked in my closet. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> of all the places. I, I swear earlier in the day, there was a garbage can in there. <laughs> Is uh, it like I a dog don't...
0: or a cat when they go in the corner, to try and just hide it from you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I'm not
2: going to make it to the bathroom. Oh, there's a, there's a, a garbage can in the closet. Open it up. No, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as
1: for myself, I was an extremely irresponsible young man. Uh, I, so, like, I, I was, like, trying to think of it, and I was like, okay. There was that one, you know, several times in the bathroom floor. Uh, I, I remember one time going back to my buddy's house, and it was down a hill. Uh, the road was downhill, and I ended up kind of walking and stumbling down the hill and then off into the weeds off the side of the road and then woke up, like, the next morning, like, how many people have driven by and seen me sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> that, that
2: guy's dead. This is a <laughs> low point in my life.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember another time was, uh, I was uh, covered in frost in my backyard, just like waking up like, Oh, <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Let's
0: go. That's like time traveling, you know? You're
1: just... yeah. yeah. Thankfully I've, I've survived. Um, Okay, so Daniel tries uh, talking to him, uh, trying to wake him up, trying to stir him. And I I was wondering, like, I wonder if uh, Daniel's had any experience with dealing with uh, drunk people like he doesn't seem like too, like shocked by the beach party and people, kids hanging out on the beach and drinking and whatever. Uh, So I'm assuming, yes,
0: (laughs) he has in my head, in my head canon. Uh, and maybe it's better for next minute, but I, in my head canon, he's a uh, Daniel. Son's is an ACDC fan, and he knew all about Bon Scott and what happened to him, so he knows how oh. to handle Mr. Miyagi.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, wow.
1: Um, so I had yeah, to me- bring it dark again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like oh man, Bon Scott. Um, so yeah, Mi- we kind of end this minute with Miyagi uh, snoring. So Daniel gently pushes him upright and back onto the bed, uh, catching his head. And then uh, pushing him over to his left side and putting a pillow under his head. And that's really where this minute ends. Um, so you guys have anything else about this minute that we've skipped over? or
2: you No, wanna... it's just sweet of uh, Daniel to take care of him like that. It's, uh, yeah. it's interesting to see him get to take care of Miyagi for once. You know, role reversal. And Pat Morita's uh, acting is just really, really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like oh. when he catches his head.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know. I, I mean, maybe Lucille's had a couple of benders that he's just put. Oh, they, they, oh,
2: they missed oh, out. Oh. They missed out on a perfect uh, comedy moment. He could have you know, bonked his head on
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, Here you it, go, Mr. Miyagi. Dunk, perfect oh. timing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Makes me nice like, fall. <laughs> like, like if this was like made today, like there was no other ones that, that would totally would have happened now. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, uh, we wrap up our Monday podcast by asking our guests, uh, your Karate Kid story. Like when did you first see it? Uh, any, any memories going along with it?
0: Uh, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking to my mom today and I was trying, I asked her flat out. I'm like, do you remember if we saw this in the theater or not? Because <laughs> I have vivid memories of two and three seeing in the theater
2: uh-huh. and
0: for the life of me, I cannot remember seeing this in the theater. I'm guessing I didn't. I think it was one of those. It was on HBO. Because I was seven when this came out. So mm-hmm. I was definitely the right age. I would have seen it. I did see it a lot. Uh, my, I remember the neighbor across the street like, started taking Taekwondo because of this movie. And I know he saw it in the theater. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. I didn't. And it just, was, it just was like one of those HBO staples that whenever it was on, we watched it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, just, I don't really have a first memory of it other than my neighbor across the street telling me, about this karate movie and I wanted to see it. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, well, uh, let's, uh,
1: put this minute to bed catch the minutes head, lay it down, put the blanket over. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Brian. Uh, you want to come back on Wednesday for another karate kid minute. I definitely would. And you want to let everybody know uh, where they can find you in your
0: podcast. Yeah, sure. Uh, we just, we do the Marine Corps movie minute podcast, we, uh, we just actually finished doing Heartbreak Ridge. We, so anybody wants to go back and uh, binge it, we're there. Uh, we can find us at um, – uh, I like Instagram. So uh, it's Marine Corps Movie Minute Pod at Instagram or, you know, Instagram.com, whatever.
1: Okay. Uh, all right. Cool. That wraps it up for us as well. And uh, until next time.
0: Uh,
1: Sergeant Miyagi reporting.
0: Killed many Jerry Germans, sir.